Amy Whaley's husband, Bobby, has sarcoidosis. Like most Sark patients, his life is a struggle, but so is hers as the primary caregiver. Whatever we thought our life would be, it, I mean, we're, you can get lost in that. Coming up, Amy talks about what life is like for the person who has to take care of the Sark patient, how her life has changed and expectations went out the window. And then he and I met at CrossFit. So we were very, at that point in time, super prime athletic bodies and health. And these are, this is what we thought our life would be like. You know, we wanted to travel a lot. Um, like you're saying, we both loved to work out together. And so making that shift to see, okay, these are the things that we feel like we've lost. How do we figure out a way to put them back in? This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 51 of the Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin, and this podcast is brought to you in part by a grant from Atire Pharma. So I do this podcast to offer my fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients to hear their stories and understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives. And hopefully that helps you understand what you're up against and what you need to do if you want to overcome, whether it's the disease or the effects of the disease or the medicine or both. Um, and I'm recording this in my home office. I live in Roanoke, Virginia. My trusty dog, Dougal, is curled up on what used to be my chair here in my office. And uh, he is one of the things that helps me get through and makes my life so much better. And I always appreciate Dougal's companionship as we work on the Sark Fighter podcast. It's the holiday season of 2021 as I record this. And uh, and looking back around at Thanksgiving, I talked about all that I was thankful for this year. I had a, a great year of travel, as I mentioned. Thank, thanks in case to uh, thanks in part to my case of Sark being controlled. And so I got the opportunity to go fishing in Montana. I rode my bicycle in Utah and Kentucky and here in Virginia. And my wife and I in, really enjoyed life this summer. It was great. And I do reflect back on it here at the end of 2021. And, and it has been a wonderful year. And uh, I just live in constant uh, fear that I'll have some sort of a flare. But so far, my medicines are working, and my medical team has this under control, and and things are looking good. And it was in uh, the it was right about this time in 2018 that I had my most recent flare, and it was a bad one, and it uh, basically cost me most of 2019. Uh, in terms of taking the time to recover and deal with the medications and so forth. So uh, 2020, of course, was not great for any of us because of COVID, but 2019 was a bear for me because of what happened uh, there in December of 2018. So anyway, this is a time of year when I look back and I just think, wow, um, I'm dodging the bullet and I hope I can just continue to dodge the bullet. And so here in 2021, 
Uh, I can tell you how happy I am. We've added two new grandchildren to the family, little Finn and little Addison. And now Mary and I have six grandchildren. They all live locally here in Roanoke, Virginia, and we see a lot of them. And I am so blessed. I am so, so blessed. Let me back up for just a second because I want to talk about caregivers today. And when when my life went south, really for the second time, after that second flare that I just mentioned, it didn't just affect me. My wife had days where she had to take care of me or to tolerate me being frustrated or thanks to the 80 milligrams of prednisone that I was on for weeks, months, whatever, uh, and then slowly down to 70, 60, whatever, didn't seem to matter. Uh, I had anger issues and I had no filter. I had no filter. I would just say whatever was on my mind and that's dangerous. That was dangerous at work. It was dangerous at home. And and I had an emotional hair trigger. Any little thing could set me off. And then I would just say whatever I wanted. And then my wife had to go with me to my doctor's appointment. She had to take time off from work and basically interrupt her plans and her life. Uh, and today on the podcast, We'll be listening to Amy Whaley, whose husband, Bobby, has a more severe case of sarcoidosis than I do. He was a football coach. They were both very fit. In fact, they met at the gym and had so much in common, and they wanted to travel. They wanted to do things that, uh, in a sense, only fit and adventurous people do, and like downhill mountain biking, which they had just started getting into, or at least Bobby had, uh, while Amy was out running 5Ks. And then shortly after they got married, Bobby's Sark flared up in a big way. And they live in Georgia, and there's not a lot of Sark-specific health care available near where they live. And so today, I want you to hear how Amy's life changed and how she has had to adapt as Bobby went from this adventurer to a man who literally some days struggles to get from bed to the couch. So now she's taking care of him. She takes him to the doctor. She arranges her whole life around dealing with sarcoidosis, even though she's not the one who has it. And she does that very lovingly. She does that uh, without complaint. She says Bobby is her person, and that is her role in life. And she's happy to do it, but it's not the life that either one of them signed up for. And we haven't heard enough from the caregivers here on the podcast. So Amy's story is next here on the Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Hi. I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me now is Amy Whaley, who is a caregiver to a Sark patient. Amy, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, John. 
Yeah, so you have the distinction of being the first caregiver to appear on the Sark Fighter podcast. And I always wonder, you know, are just the patients listening or are there loved ones and caregivers listening as well? And and you reached out to me and said, yeah, we're listening. So, yeah, yeah. how did you guys find the podcast? Well, b- both Bobby and I, uh, you know, a lot of navigating this journey is finding other people who either are going through the same experiences or it's the same way that all of us find um, different care or um, better care um, or a resource that, you know, helps. And so um, all, I'm always going to Google <laughs> um, for, you know, different reasons and different information. And then I also, Bobby and I are also both members of, of um, Facebook groups. And we're very connected with our new clinic in Charleston. Uh, and they always share a lot of different uh, resources as well. And then I follow a lot on LinkedIn. So that includes like um, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research and so there were some things that were shared on LinkedIn and I clicked and then that got me to um, your podcast and then, you know, downloaded the app and just kind of browsed and listened. And then um, one Saturday um, that was the, I forget which one it was, but the person that you, the patient that you had talked to, uh, his journey was very much like my husband Bobby's and it was great to hear that um, someone else shares the same journey. Um, it it doesn't help as far as having answers or feeling better, but sometimes it's nice to know that, you know, you're not by yourself um, right. out there trying to figure things out. And um, we didn't have to, Bobby and I didn't have to raise small children. I think part of his story was what that process and navigating parenting uh, like that. Um, we have a 28-year-old. Um, and so that's a different set of circumstances as far as um, having help and understanding, um, you know, Bobby's journey is different. We don't have, you know, young children, but um, yeah, that's how I got to you and listen to that. And uh, I just think it's important. A lot of times we're all disconnected. There's so many resources and none of us are talking to each other or like you're saying, telling someone, hey, I really appreciate the fact that you. Uh, shared this because it has helped me. Um, we do that a lot on the Facebook groups. Hey, we're trying this. It's working. Just want to let you know it's out there if it helps someone else. Um, you know, you have yeah. to try and yeah. find meaning. And uh, that's um, when your season with Sark is a long season and um, you're in that small percentage of people where it's systemic, like in Bobby's case, where it, you just feel like which organ is next, which organ is going to be next. Um, then it's you, you are really looking for purpose. So, um, you know, why, why has God placed me in this circumstance? And um, why is it so long? What should I be doing with this to really um, help someone else or fulfill the purpose of this season? And, um, you know, that's that's what Bobby, that's how he fake, faces this. That's what he looks at and thinks about when he's trying to make a decision about um, why we're in it. <laughs> right. Um, but right. that's how we yeah. found you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, it was just, uh, yeah. Uh, that's kind of why I do the podcast. Uh, I just said, you know, what 
Yeah, if you listen to the the promo that I wrote, like I just set up, well, what, you know, what can I do? What can I do with my skill set to try mm-hmm. and advance the cause here? Uh, and so, uh, and because I've got a, you know, my background is broadcasting. So I just thought, well, all right, that's, that's what I kind of want to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook groups, not from lack of want, it's just from lack of time. And you're like, there's just so yeah. much of me that can, that can go around. Well, listen, yeah. I want to, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your husband, Bobby, and what's going on with him. So people can then understand what's going on with you as a caregiver. So okay. when, when did his symptoms first emerge? What did that look like? Well, when we, so um, there's two parts of Bobby's life. There's pre-Amy <laughs> and then there, uh, or Bamey, that's my nickname. And then there's our life together. Um, we got married in 2013. Um, we met in 2012. And then, but Bobby was diagnosed uh, in 2007. And he lived in Alabama at the time. So his first um, front line of care would have been in Birmingham. And, um, but, you know, as he's looked back and we talk about um, symptoms, being tired, um, he was a high school football coach and teacher. He can remember having to rest, you know, in the afternoon, like just, we call it the choke out nap, <laughs> you know, where you just, your body's so exhausted that if you don't lay down and go to sleep, you you will, your body will just going to fall out and you'll be asleep wherever it is that you land. Um, And so he says, as he looks back on it, he probably was having symptoms before, but was formally diagnosed with a lung biopsy that year and went through a round of prednisone, which is that frontline therapeutic for everybody. Um, And so um, went through that and then um, ended up, you know, for a new job, moving to Macon, um, went through a divorce and then he and I, this is our second marriage. So then, um, really kind of had, I wouldn't say remission, but his symptoms had decreased to the point where he was able to work full time and really kind of came out of that. Um, and then in 2013 on our honeymoon, he, um, had a really bad mountain bike Um, accident coming down off the mountain. And um, we think that that trauma probably then rebooted his SARC. And um, which as I do some research on anytime your body, you have surgery or um, you have something like that, where there's an external trauma, it can just really reactivate it. Yeah. Whatever it is that triggers that the, the sarcoidosis is, Oh yeah, we need to rush to the aid of something that doesn't need to be fixed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so, all right, now I have to, I, I, a little bit of an aside. I'm also a mountain biker. So, and I've, I've had some pretty bad wrecks. Do, can, can you just elaborate a little bit on his mountain? Sure. Bike I wish that he would tell it because his story, yeah. he's such a good storyteller. Um, so I, you know, both of us, so to really put it into perspective, to let you know that Bobby grew up as an athlete and then was a coach. And then he and I met at CrossFit. So we were very, at that point in time, super prime athletic bodies and health. And um, so I had, it was July 4th. I was running a 5k at the bottom of the mountain. Um, we went out West 
so we were visiting Yellowstone um, during the day and then, you know, other activities. And so a big sky is where we were at. And right so there. he decided he, yeah, beautiful. I mean, that that's kind of our heart geography, I guess. And so he said he really wanted to do the mountain bike experience. And so he says that he, you know, went and checked out his bike and, you know, the guy behind the counter asked him, do you want to, uh, you know, here's the safety equipment, you know, here are the other, other information that you need. And so he had a camelback of water that he was wearing. He had his phone with him um, and some things in that same pack. And what we think happened is that he got up there and took not a wrong turn, but just kind of shifted enough to be not on the groomed path and had a great time. I mean, it, you know, coming down the mountain all the way, he says he got to be within probably, and I'm not with him. I'm down at the bottom of the mountain. Um, he was in within a hundred feet of, of, you know, being done. And right. he, um, you know, you, if you, if you aren't staying focused, like if you let your mind wander at all to, Oh, that's so beautiful. Or look over there, you know, or if you're riding a bike, that's not your regular bike. Um, so I think if I remember what happened, right. Is he kind of took his shifted his focus just enough and to then press the wrong gear. So what he did, and then that was sort of some gravel. So we're ungroomed. So sliding. So then he hits that and flips, I mean, he hits so hard that his bike flips him all the way over. Um, he hits that, you know, back of your neck, um, head, back, and then flumps again down on his lower back and um, separate his shoulder. Um, the, the thing that probably saved him from worse, he believes that that camelback pack really helped cushion his fall. Um, and so I get done with my road race and I there's no text or anything and I can't get it to go through. And because what had happened is that his phone had just taken the impact completely. Mm. So I get a Facebook message that says, uh, Hey, can you just go ahead and come on up to the hotel as soon as you can? <laughs> so I get up there and um, they had arranged for um, as part of their also July 4th activities, there had been a skate um, skateboarding contest. And so there were two orthopedic, emergencies they had had a young man break his ankle and then bobby had had um what at that time what they thought was you know separated shoulder and then so they got us into an emergency appointment at the foot of the mountain with this orthopedic person who at least was able to prescribe him some medicine and get a brace and get him wrapped up and um you know but we're pretty sure he had broken ribs there's some other things too that by the time we got back and, you know, went to someone else. It, he had, there was some healing that had happened, but yeah. I think yeah. all of that um, just really, it, it got the start going because then by fall of that year, um, you know, hypercalcemia was how Bobby's sarcoidosis really reared its ugly head. What is that the hypercalcemia? What, what is that? So that's when there's so much calcium in your body that your kidneys shut down. And, um, at that time we were not, we didn't have consult that, that was really, I would say for a caregiver's journey, you know, managing medicine and, and learning what medicines 
are good and what what does the medicine do to you? And um, we had a doctor at that time who had made some, um, you know, had prescribed some medications for pain for SARC, was really trying to manage those things for us. But when you don't have someone that's looking at your whole body systemically, you know, how is this medicine going to impact over here? And I see that a lot. And that's my interest is I don't want you to give Bobby something that's then going to cause him more problems over here. And then you're going to have to give him another medicine to help with the side effects from this medicine. That never made sense to me. And um, so um, what, what we did with the hypercalcemia is the only thing that they knew to do for that was the prednisone was to hit it, was to hospitalize and hit it because it's an emergency. It means that your body's shutting down and they have to flush your system. So they have to put you on IV fluids and then they have to shock your body with steroids. Um, and so he was hospitalized that fall um, and for hypercalcemia. And it took them a while to figure out what to put him on to get that managed. And, um, you know, prednisone has always been, like I said, the front line. But that's at this point, are they saying sarcoidosis or are they saying hypercalcemia for whatever reason? Well, so we had a super great, um, we, during that time, you know, you try to find consolidated care where you can. So we, we got referrals to Emory, um, in Atlanta and, but doctors don't talk to each other very well, unless you're in a, unless you really seek that consolidated care out. And so what, began to happen is that, so they're like, well, you have lung sarcoidosis. And so this month, you know, they would start to silo his silo, his um, symptoms or mm-hmm. what was going on with him. And we have this great endocrinologist in Macon. His name is Dr. Barry Johns. And we got hooked up with him during that same time because he had found my mother's brain tumor. So we, we really trusted him. Okay. <laughs> um, and he, he said, guys, people are going to continue to try to give you something else. (laughs) But probably in your case, it's the sarcoidosis that is causing whatever is happening. So my recommendation would be that we get you back to somebody that just does SARC. Um, That's where we need to move you to. You need to get to somebody or a clinic where they are doing consolidated care for sarcoidosis. So So, let me just connect one dot that I missed here because um, we had the mountain bike crash Mm -hmm. and then he's got the broke, the, the separated shoulder and all those other things. And then, then what happened between then and uh, the diagnosis with sarcoidosis in his lungs? How do they get back to that? So 2007 was his diagnosis. So essentially the way that I describe it is that he came out of remission completely. After so the it began, bike crash. yeah, that it, that, that triggered that immune response, yep. that fight or flight where his body was like, Oh my gosh, we're under attack. Everything is under attack. So then those rogue cells, uh, those rogue Sark cells then go where they are not needed. Right. Um, and have some and, of the doctors sort of affirmed your suspicions here? Yeah, they so during that time, um, when Bobby was hospitalized, they decided that this is this is because of your sarcoidosis. So you're going to have to go back on prednisone. Um, we're going to have to put you on IV fluids to flush your kidneys. Okay. Um, and and so and then also we got a referral to Mayo. So then you start that process of just, you know, seeing every specialist for every part of your body. And 
that same um, between two, 2013 and 2015. Um, and when you talk about lost time, that's when Bobby had to take some time off from work. Um, you know, because you spend, a, I mean, when we went to Mayo, I think if I remember right, that would have been like a week, you know, you're, or it felt like that, like three or four days where you're, you're seeing every doctor for everything that could be happening, but it never felt like everybody was still looking at it from the SART standpoint. Um, and so then we come back home and it's, I sort of managed, but then you're dealing with all of the downside to taking a steroid at a high level. Um, and then also there were some other, there were some pain um, medications that had super uh, downside side effects for Bobby that have been long lasting. Um, mm -hmm. He is insulin dependent now. Um, and they're pretty sure that's due to all of the prednisone and dexamethasone that he had to be on during that time period, um, which doctors do the best they can when they don't see SARC patients all the time. Um, you know, they, and so that was a really difficult time between 2013 and 2015. He was in and out of the hospital with this, what I would describe as kidney failure, which is due to the hypercalcemia, these just super high levels of calcium. And the way that um, I think it was probably Dr. John's that explained it to me is that um, what happens is, you know, our bodies have natural shutoffs for vitamins, you know, okay, this vitamin has now vitamin D has now been converted to enough calcium for your body. It's at the right level. We'll turn that off, stop the conversion. And what happens with the hypercalcemia is that there's no turn off. So during those years, as we struggled with that, um, those rogue cells, there was no shutoff. His vitamin, it, it, there was no, like in the back of your toilet, it never said there's enough calcium now, stop converting. Um, you know, and then you try to do things like, <laughs> um, you know, well, maybe you don't need to have any kind of vitamin D whatsoever. Never go outside. You know, there, there's things like that that people will tell you, but, you know, those are the layers of trying to live a life with SARC where you're like, is that really, does that really have an impact or is this just, it got really hard during that time because nothing seemed to work. And then whatever was keep, whatever they gave him steroid wise to correct the hypercalcemia had super um, extreme side effects for him. Um, okay. All yeah. right. So, so now he's got the hypercalcemia and we know that SARC is active in his body. And, and you had said earlier in our talk here that you wonder what organ is going to be impacted next. Yeah. So has it, has the sarcoidosis spread in Bobby's body? It has. So, um, and that, that's a struggle too. Um, I know for, for all of us that um, are trying to find care and, get something attacked immediately or understood or seen or interpreted. We had spent about uh, two years from, I'd say 2017, so maybe three from 2017 to 2020, trying to understand why Bobby's blood pressure would never regulate. Um, and so, you know, had multiple tests here in Macon, saw cardiologists. Um, and then our son moved to Charleston and that's how we ended up at the clinic in Charleston is that I thought, well, that's going to be an easier, he'll be there to help us. It's an, it's a much easier drive. You don't have to go to Atlanta. <laughs> um, and so, and 
I did some research and found out there was a SART clinic there. And the way they had gotten their clinic is um, Susan Pearlstein, her family was a very prominent family in Charleston, and she had been diagnosed with sarcoidosis after a long period of time, you know, of not knowing what she had. And so she actually donated $5 million to open a clinic there just for sarcoidosis patients. And so when we got there, um, Bobby's doctor said, let's do a PET scan. And that's where they discovered in December, 2020, that that's what was causing his arrhythmia. That's what was causing the uh, blood pressure issues. Um, because, and I did, there's a lot you learn as a caregiver about how the human body works. There are two sides to how our heart works. Um, you have a mechanical side and an electrical side. And Bobby's mechanical side always presented as healthy and working properly. Um, and here in Macon, they had never done the imaging or the tests that would show what was going on with the electrical side. And that's what was causing his issues. And the SART was in his heart. So all that inflammation, the way that his cardiologist described it is the house is on fire. And so we've got to, we'll have to do a therapeutic to put out the fire. And then we will have to see what the damage is left, you know, after that. And so that's, um, that would have been December, 2020, January, 2021, where we found out that it was actually the cause of what was going on with his heart, which we knew, you know, we knew in 2017, um, because we always come back to that. Um, what Dr. John said, which is stop giving yourself something else, <laughs> you know, that it is probably sarcoidosis related. And so start there. Um, and so it's in Bobby's heart. Um, it's probably in his kidneys, but they can't biopsy because of some cysts that he has. So that's the assumption that they make is it's probably SARC related. You're already on the therapeutic for that. And that gets hard to hear, you know, well, you're on the best treatment we have for systemic SARC. And then it's, right. you know, right. what, so, is, what is he, what is, is it still prednisone or is it methotrexate? Or no, he. He, Bobby can't take prednisone. He has to take steroid sparing because of his blood sugar. Mm -hmm. um, that's not an option anymore. And especially since they are pretty sure that's what caused his, he has, he has normal A1Cs or, you know, good A1C, but he's insulin dependent. Um, and they think that and the neuropathy are probably the result of having taken the prednisone and the dexamethasone for so long. Um, and you know, that's hard too for both of us because I feel like as a caregiver, I'm on the front line of doing the research for us um, and for him because I have the energy to do that, you know, and um, you just hate it when you've missed something or you, you look back and you like, if we had just done this or if we'd asked this question, but we're also not doctors. Bobby always reminds me that, <laughs> you know, um, uh, when I look things up, he's like, you're not a doctor. And so <laughs> you may not be able to figure it out with what you're bringing to the table. <laughs> right. You're just scratching the surface with what yeah. you can find on the Internet and what you can internalize mm -hmm. without that uh, that training. Right. And we're, you know, you're looking up every other word. But that to me as a caregiver, um, that's part of my um and just because he's my person, right? That's my person. <laughs> and um, it's a very helpless feeling to, um, you know, have your 
um, your life, your person that is your life, you know, in terrible pain or agony or just unable to rest, you know, the litany of things that SART patients go through and not and be so helpless, not be able to help because I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. That's my nature. And so it makes it hard because, you know, I want to be with him. There's always something I feel like I can do. And um, he always says, you know, I'm going to feel this way, whether you're here or not. (laughs) But but, you know, I can get him a glass of water. If he's thirsty, um, I can get another blanket for him. I can help. You know, we have different things we do to try and manage the neuropathy. So I can put this on your feet to make them feel better. There, there's got to be something I can do. And, um, you know, that gets hard when you can't make the therapeutics do something. <laughs> right. you know? So yeah. what is what is his day-to-day life like does he get out of bed and go to the couch is he not able to work or or um, what is his what is the day-to-day existence right so um he 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 has a very difficult time working full-time right now um and so a lot for us it's managing pain the i would say the the hardest part and that's um would be the pain and the fatigue and then what we call the fog where you just you're just not clear. And, um, you know, based on what I read, that can be because of Bobby's pain level. Um, he's on some medications that make you fuzzy in the morning. I mean, it's um, medicines have so many side effects that we can't even, I wish we could see inside his body, but he gets up in the morning. And one of the things that we do to manage pain is a hot bath. And so, because you have to get enough of the pain gone to just be able to then start the day. And so, that's what we do. We try to eat the same breakfast routine is very important when you're trying to manage an illness. Right. So, what do you, what do you eat? What's the breakfast? <laughs> he, um, and we try not to deviate from this. Um, he does bacon, one egg grits and a piece of toast. And so, um, and a diet Pepsi. So that's what we have for breakfast. And part of that's because you everything centers around the medicine you're taking. So he has medicines that if he doesn't take them with food, like Celsept, which is an immuno, you know, that's takes the Celsept to prevent his body from rejecting the Humira. Um, you've got some stomach killers. Celsept's a stomach killer. They just put him on a new um, heart medicine to help, which is, I think it's metoprolol is the name of it. That's supposed to be a stomach killer. So that's the reason for a bigger breakfast than he would ever have eaten when he was younger. He said he was never a breakfast person, but if we didn't do that, he wouldn't then be able to take his second medicine. And so then um, lately he um, sits in his recliner because that's a way for him to get his feet up, um, which seems to help with the neuropathy. And that and his feet are in pain, right? From the neuropathy. Yeah, it, I mean, he has pretty much whatever you would think of that happens with with neuropathy, he has the burning. He has the strange sensations of where he'll say, you know, can you, my feet feel really cold. Will you see if they're really cold? And I touch them and they're not cold, but then I could touch them and later and say, your feet are really cold. Do your feet feel cold? He doesn't feel them. So, and that could be the sarcoidosis that's causing that too. I mean, it can impact your, I know that our doctor told us that, that that small fiber neuropathy, I mean, SARC, does not discriminate <laughs> inside your body. Uh, you know, I mean, it can, 
um, your brain, your heart, your skin, your um, nerves. Mm-hmm. Does he take gabapentin? We could, couldn't take the gabapentin. It made him so sleepy. So he takes Lyrica. And, and our joke is always, <laughs> you know, we're always trying to come off of a medicine or, or shift or um, make sure, is this working? Do we really have to be on this? And a lot of times when we do try to come off of something, that's when you realize it was helping, you know, at least more than you knew. It just feels right now um, like they just put him on one more medicine. And, you know, that's the hard part is that we're both pretty positive in there with the doctors. And I'm a very positive person. You know, Bobby will, <laughs> Bobby will tell you that. Um, but then we get in the car and, you know, it's hard because, like he said, I, I mean, I said, well, we'll make sure that we get this prescription as soon as we get home. And he said, Why? Well, I mean, because all the other medicines are working so great. He is a very, he's very funny. He's makes jokes, which is his way of, um, sure. you know, you he's know, being d- sarcastic. Just, yeah, yeah. Like it's, he's like, yeah, because they all work so great. I'm and, not at all sarcastic. Don't believe her. <laughs> so, um, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Bobby. <laughs> um, he he joined us. <laughs> okay, um, but that's his schedule. He, um, you know, sometimes he can, um, you know, work from his chair. Um, our company has provided us with all of the tools and equipment that he would need to be able to work remotely. Um, really, that was a part of COVID. Also, um, anybody with an autoimmune disease or compromise, like if you were under cancer treatments, we had the option of providing those tools and um, we're only about two minutes from our office. Both of us work out of the same office. And so um, and what, do you, what do you do? We work for Edward Jones. We're both financial advisors. Okay. And, right. and our company has been amazing as far as how they take care of us. And so it navigating that is a big part of it is as a caregiver, navigating work and because I, I want to be here to maintain our routine for him as well. But I mean, that's, Luckily, um, we have a super amazing um, coworker who is our branch office administrator. And so we just tag team things and people who we work with care about us. They know we care about them and they care about us. And so it it's if, if we have to reschedule an appointment or we have to move something around in a day, people understand that they understand that. So um, and then on a on a bad day, he's in his chair the whole day. Um, and, you know, we talk about ways to get his mind off of just the pain or the neuropathy, all of the things that he's battling and, you know, news, you can only watch so much news. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> right. You can only watch so much news. You know, you can only, um, he plays video games, um, you know, listens to me. There's only so much you can do from your chair. And when you're already mentally tired, because you're doing battle, you know, you're battling all the stuff that's going on with you physically. It's, you just run out, you run out of, you know, bandwidth, your your bandwidth's not very wide. And so, um, and I'm hoping with this new medicine, if they can get, he still has some extra beats in his heart. And we think that that is what's causing, uh, he likes to go out in the yard um, and work in the yard. Um, So on a good day, um, he could actually get out there and move around 
And that actually helps his heart outrun those extra bad beats. If he can get up and moving around, he can feel better. But whatever is going on with his heart, whatever the SART does when he is stationary or, or when he goes to sleep at night is when it kicks up and causes the most problems. And it's just this um, inability to get a deep breath. It's feeling like your legs are jello. Mm-hmm. That like if you get up on them, they are you can't trust them to do what they're supposed to do, <laughs> which right. is get you from one place to the other or keep you upright. So, um, you know, we t- people ask whether Bobby's had a good day or a bad day. We have to talk about it in hours. Really? So um, we, had, we had we had several good hours today, or right. yeah, right. Well, let me ask you this now. So I think we know what's going on with Bobby. But you guys are, you're, you're doing CrossFit. You meet at a CrossFit gym. And if people are listening, they don't know what CrossFit is. It's really like <laughs> the most intense training that's out there. The fittest, buffest people I know do CrossFit. They're just crazy fit. You're eating protein all the time. You got these, you know, muscles and six pack abs and all that. And, and you go, so you guys meet and you decide to get married. And all of a sudden it just crashes. That's, yeah. I mean, I know you're compassionate and I know that you care, but I mean, for, from your perspective, man, you just drew the short straw. No, I don't ever see it that way. Bobby always says that to me. He says, you, you know, you really, and, and that's an on, you know, that's an ongoing conversation that I'm sure spouses have or loved ones have. Um, and I just, I don't feel that way um, because he's not his disease. Now that's easy for me to say, because I don't, I don't have to do battle in my physical body every day the way that he does. But he was Bobby Whaley when I met him. You know, he he was who he is. And uh, he's just, he's an extraordinary person. And, you know, that's, that's the hard part for, um, you know, a patient or a spouse. And then a caregiver is that that's how he sees himself. And, and our situation in our life together is not um, how I see it at all, that they, he's not his disease. And so, yes, our life is different. Um, and there are things about our life that, you know, we certainly did not anticipate our journey. It is not what he wanted for me. It's not what he wanted for himself. It's not what he wanted for his son. Um, you know, it's and that's the hard part of living and accepting that. And we're not really in an acceptance phase yet because we still have hope that we're going to find something that then continues to give him more of normal is not a good, you know, descriptor, but um, I don't see it that way because I have him and there, I mean, it's just, he's a very, very special person. He's um, that's, I mean, that's what I could say about him is that we, yeah. Well, what's, um, what, is, what is your day like? So how much of your time do you devote to helping him? And how much do you devote to your horse or to your other, the other aspects of your life, your job? I mean, how do you, how do you balance all of that? So it's, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and this is kind of the way I feel is that you, um, it's hard to be a hundred percent or great at all of the different roles or hats that we wear all at one time, right? Whether you're a parent or um, a friend, a coworker, whatever those hats are that we wear, but Bobby always has to come first. 
And so that's I always, um, you know, and that that's a prayer. Those are prayer. You know, like I start the day. I want to make sure that I put things in place today to make sure that I'm always putting him first. Uh, that's just what I believe. Um, and that would be the case whether he had sarcoidosis or not. He's he's my person. He's first. Um, but it does get difficult um, just because you can't be in two places at one time. And you mentally, I can't be in two places at one time. And so it's hard for me sometimes to uh, be at the office when I know he's not feeling good because I, I, w- I want to be here to do the things that, you know, could help him feel better, even though he tells me I'm going to feel the same way, <laughs> whether you're here or you're not. But there's a there's an isolation and a loneliness that comes with um, having sarcoidosis or any serious illness that where you can't fully express how bad you feel. Um, you can't fully express um, even what's going on with your body. And, um, you know, so it. I really have to construct a schedule each day with that in mind. So how do I take care of what Bobby needs first today? And then really have the flexibility to come home whenever I need to come home. And so it means things don't always get done in the time frame that somebody else might think I need to get something done. <laughs> and, right. Um, right. You but know, so, and, so how, but how do you do it? I mean, you, I mean, your bosses can only be so considerate or your clients I mean, if you've got to get something done, are you staying right. up until midnight then to get it done when you didn't do it I at do. two o'clock in the I afternoon? Do. You do. Yep, I do. I so, um, and that so I have all of the same tools as well as far as remote work, being able to work remotely. Um, you know, and really, what I've found is that other people, we're not the only people who are having to manage life in that way. Um, you know, for different reasons, um, and so. Uh, I'm, there are some things that I'm able to do, you know, sitting, sitting in my chair next to Bobby at night. Um, and then I can spend some time doing that. And then I can go into the kitchen and then I can put the dishes in the dishwasher or start a little clothes. Um, it's, it's a lot of, in fact, the way I would describe it, I guess, is it's kind of like, um, circuit training, uh, when you go to work out where, you know, I'll start in the kitchen and I'll load the dishwasher, um, let the dog out, um, come back in here, sit with my computer for, um, you know, a couple of hours, uh, or an hour or whatever, get back up, go and check the, you know, it's a lot of that where, um, ultimate multitasking, which, um, can, can be super effective and efficient until you're, your mind fails you. In other words, you, you have a moment of weakness where you're just tired and you forget something important. Um, you know, I forget, um, to refill a medication or I make a mistake with Bobby's medication. Um, those, those are the times where it's hard. Cause you're like, I just, I, I needed to be more, I needed to be more mentally together today. And, you know, my mind has failed me. Um, but it's because you're thinking of so many things at one time. Um, and, you know, those are, Bobby and I are very honest with each other about, um, you know, I'm so sorry that that happened. I, you know, I didn't, uh, let me, I'm always trying to come up with a new system, <laughs> you know, that's more, that helps me 
manage the ups and downs, the unpredictability of our day, but still reframes our routine to protect and, and help him feel better and give him more hours back, more time back where he can do more of the things that he wants to do and that we can do more of the things together that we want to do. Um, but it's, that's the way I would describe it is it's just like being on a circuit training <laughs> fitness regimen, you know, or in a gym where you do a little bit over here and a little bit over here and a little bit over here and then come back around. Um, and, you know, and there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. Sure. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's how it yeah. lives, right? With the circuit training and you do, but how does that compare to what you hoped or thought your life was going to be like when you guys launched this new, you know, when you got married yeah. and, and, and I mean, don't you mourn, because I know that the Sark patients do, but I want to ask you as a caregiver, don't oh, yeah. you mourn the loss of the life you had or expected? We do. Yeah. We, there's some grieving, there's some grieving. And then for me, um, you know, I, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And so for me, how we think our life is going to go, um, not that we don't make plans, I, I believe biblically we make plans, um, but the the blessing that is there for us, even in an unexpected circumstance. And so there is some grieving, but you cannot can't wallow in that or let that be, um, you know, a huge amount of time where you're belly button gazing about what has been lost or what you your perception of what is lost, um, because there's this now. And then there's what's still ahead of us and what we do have. And so I think that that's hard for anybody who has gone through um, something where, um, you know, I, Bobby and I talk a lot about the fact that I never got to have a child. And that really is something that he grieves for me. Um, you know, that, that was something that I didn't get to experience. Um, but the way that I live my life is I believe that, but, but I have Corey. <laughs> you know, I do have a child um, and um, I probably smother mother him more than I should. But um, you you just have to, um, you know, redirect that grieving, like takes ha- grieve a little, but then, you know, reroute it um, because otherwise we would all of us, the, the amount that everyone loses <laughs> um you know, the, whatever we thought our life would be, um, it, I mean, we're, you can get lost in that. And we both, uh, both of us miss working out a ton. We, um, cause it, it was something that we both enjoyed. I never would have, um, known as much about weightlifting or been as, um, that's something we both would like to get me back to. We've built out a little home gym here. And so finding, carving out time and it just hasn't worked out yet. And so I guess that's what I would say about feeling like I've lost something. I haven't lost things. It's just, they've had to kind of be put in a storage unit or a closet while we work on this over here. And then just like you would with a storage unit or a closet, then you get it out. And, um, you know, that's, that's how I look at it is here are the things that we miss the most about, and, and you know, COVID impacted that too. These are the things that we miss the most about being able to travel 
These are the things that we miss the most about being able to work out. These are, this is what we thought our life would be like. You know, we wanted to travel a lot. Um, we both, um, like you're saying, we both loved to work out together. Um, and so making that shift to see, okay, these are the things that we feel like we've lost. How do we figure out a way to put them back in just in a different way? Um, and so it's, yeah. I guess there's, cause there's a danger in, um, you know, focusing on what you feel like you, you don't have, or you lost because that, um, path is different. And I, Bobby carries that weight for me way more than I carry for myself. Um, it, it's really hard for him because, um, he had in his mind what he, the life he wanted to give me. Um, but, uh, I have had enough, uh, big, hard things happen early on in my life to where uh, I know that things are not ever going to be. <laughs> that was never an expectation I had. That's how I probably should have answered the question to start with is, um, you know, I just wanted a life with him, whatever that meant. I did not have an expect. I didn't have the same expectations about, you know, what that might specifically look like. I just mm-hmm. wanted to have a life with him. So. Well, it's a it's a big trip, a big difference between bombing down Big Sky on a downhill mountain bike yeah. Yeah. to living life on the couch, yeah, uh, and traveling and doing all those things. Uh, and so, what advice would you give to other caregivers who are either grappling with the same thing or trying to figure out how to proceed? Uh, because everybody loves their person, but yep. people have different amounts of attachment to what their life was before their person yep. wound up with sarcoidosis. What what would you say to them? I think it's super important. Um, you know, my mom, when we talk, she she's always like, well, are you taking care of yourself? You know, how are you doing? Are you taking care of yourself? And, um, you know, people have different um needs in regards to that as far as, um, you know, having a time, a devotional in the morning or a workout or whatever that space is that you have to carve out for yourself. So you do have to know yourself and know that if, if you have to have that time to be mentally ready to fight every day, that's got to be something you put in place, which for a caregiver, it may not be the same time every day. I think that that's one of the that, that's probably my best advice is that you may not be able to um, keep the same routine every day at the same time, but whatever those things are that you need in place to not be crazy, <laughs> you know, have those in place. And um, you know, for me, um, I like to just walk around in the yard with my elderly dog, and like this morning. Um, I took him out to go potty and there were two deer, you know, standing in the yard. And so those are the things that I, I have to have um, there. Um, I like things that are, I like surprises. Um, and so, um, you know, finding those things in your life or asking people to do those things for you. Um, that's the best advice I would have is that the things that you need to not make you crazy. 
you have to take care of yourself, no matter how dedicated you are. You, right. you can't help. I always go back to yep. the analogy of in the airplane. They say in the event that the masks drop down, put your yeah. mask on before you help the person yeah. next to you, yeah. right? The child or the elderly person. Right. And you can't help your sarcoidosis patient if you if you're not in the right place. Right. And that means some things. So, um, you know, making sure that you have things in place that whatever that is, um, you know, for me, I used to eat super clean. Um, I just I, that this may sound like a cop out <laughs> to some people, but um, my priorities have shifted. And so um, if I want to eat a Krispy Kreme donut on my way, you know, or if Bobby and I want gas station treats, I'm picking them up because, you know, and so that to me, someone else, my mom, I'm sure would be like, Amy, that's, you know, that's not gonna, (laughs) that may make you feel worse. But you know, for me and Bobby, that's fun. I mean, um, you know, do you want me to pick you up a blizzard? Um, And those are the things that, so you, you do give up some things. Um, and so you really have to determine what your non-negotiables are for not being crazy. Um, yeah. Because we have you, some of the same vices, by the way, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You, it, and, and that's it for, you know, and he has things too. And so um, understanding um, what helps him not go crazy as he navigates this and fights. Um, and sometimes that means I just can't do one more dish and I'm going to let that go. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, that would be my other piece of advice is that the things that other people would might come into your home or your life and be like, gross, or you can't get that done, or this needs to be done for whatever people think your first to be done should be. Um, you, I, I just let go of those things. Um, and, and you just, you have to, otherwise to me, that will make you crazy. Um, because right. yeah, no, I, I want to interrupt yeah. and, because I think that's sure. a great point. So you just can't worry about what other people think. Oh no, you yeah, can't. you got yeah. you got to live your own life. You got you're walking yep. a different walk than yep. the person um, who might walk into your house and see that you didn't finish the dishes or what you know yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so so then what I hear you saying though is is like you're go- you're still planning to unpack that storage unit. You, oh, yeah. you yeah. still have that hope that yeah. that something is going to come along or Bobby is going to find a way to heal himself, his body is, and you're going to get back into the gym and you're going to get back into traveling and that kind of stuff. And how important is it to hold on to that hope? Oh, it's super important. But I will say that it's not, we have um, adjusted our um, expectation for that. So for us, it would be to be able to walk. There's a little park locally uh, that has a walking path. So that's where we would start, you know, or for us to both work out in the yard together. We both enjoy that. Um, and so um, unpacking in smaller increments, I guess, is what I would say. But and and that can be aggravating. I'm a very hopeful person. And I know that Sometimes you don't want to feel that way. If you are the patient, (laughs) you need just a minute to just be um, sad or disappointed. And um, I'm, you know, always like, no, this, this might, (laughs) this might work. This will, you know, turn out fine. It's, it's going to get better. And, um, you know, so you do have to, that, that'd be another piece of advice is you do have to 
allow, um, you know, if, if you're, you know, whoever your person is, whether it's your child or your spouse, that person may not be able to do that right in that moment. They may not be able to accept to hang on hope, but that's your job. I mean, even if you don't have my personality and you are the caregiver, um, that's your job to be strong. Uh, that's what I believe. That's your job because Bobby doesn't have enough physical energy to do that. So you have to be the one that holds the line. And um, so even if I don't, um, you know, maybe have the right words or the, the, to say, I'm always, it's always going to be a pivot to hope because I believe that number one, I do believe that. Um, and then two, that's my job. Um, as a caregiver, I mean, that's my job is to present that, that, yeah. Wow. Well, listen, I, we've been talking for about an hour now and uh, I see, I see so many parallels between what you're going through and what other people have gone through that I've talked to on the patient side. And I just want to congratulate you for having the strength and, and the tenacity uh, and really what in my mind is the right way to address the hand that you've been dealt. And I, I think that that's, uh, it's very admirable. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, John. Thank you. Right. We are, Bobby and I are in it together. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, I, I can't imagine my life without him. So um, it's like two peas <laughs> or peas and carrots. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. All right. Thanks, John. A zombie just feeding that stumble. So thanks to Amy. Uh, she doesn't think of herself as a saint, but she is. And so are the many, many other people out there who take care of people whose lives have been turned upside down by sarcoidosis, including, as I've said many times, my own wife, Mary. Now, I want to tell you that uh, I did talk with Bobby after we concluded the recording. She passed on the computer and we, and we chatted a little bit. He's pretty bummed out by all the things that have happened to him, but he is a fighter. Remember, he's an athlete. He's a former football coach, and he really wants to find a way to get back to some semblance of normal life. He told me that his work team has been very supportive and that he's continuing to serve his clients with their financial investments. That's what, that's what he does professionally. And he's extremely thankful for all the help that he gets from Amy, and he says he feels a bit guilty that uh, she's had to go through all of this. So, um, and you know, I understand that. I do understand that. And we haven't shined the light often enough on the other people who are impacted by the person who has sarcoidosis. So sarcoidosis doesn't just hit the patient, it hits, it hits the whole family. So Amy is, however, the first caregiver to really reach out to me and to say, hey, you know, um, I think I would like to share my story and, I, and I'd like to, you know, to talk to um, what it's like for me and maybe um, give other caregivers something to think about and, and know that they're appreciated. So um, I would like to hear from you. If you're a caregiver, please 
ping me, as they say. You, the best way to reach me is with my email. It's in the show notes, but it's carlinagency at gmail.com, carlinagency at gmail.com. And thanks so much to Amy for appearing and for Bobby for our, uh, we probably had a 45-minute conversation after we stopped recording. I almost wished I would have recorded both of them at the same time. Um, but today it was all about Amy and I think, I think that was a good way to go, but, but, uh, thank you, Bobby, also for taking the time to talk with me and to help round out my knowledge of, of how things are going for you guys down there in Georgia. Hey, a reminder, the official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards in Alberta, Canada. Mark's a fellow Sark Fighter. And if you listen to the words of that song, they are very haunting because they are, my song, they're your song if you have sarcoidosis. Trust me on that. Listen to the lyrics. You won't be disappointed. Gives me chills every time I listen to it. And he's agreed to let that be the official song of the Sark Fighter podcast. So thank you to Mark. Uh, I call this the Sark Fighter podcast, of course, because I fight Sark myself. So are you. You're whether, as you said, a caregiver, whether, as I said, a caregiver, a patient, a researcher. And I do want to let you know that there is a reason to hope, and we release this podcast every other Monday. Also remember that FSR is funding research and has awarded two grants of $25,000 each to two researchers in the HOPE department. One researcher is trying to find a way to help patients avoid prednisone, the other working to ensure SART patients are able to be successfully vaccinated against covid um, and the end of the year is when many people donate to charity, so please join me in making a donation to FSR here as we approach the Christmas and holiday season in 2021. And I'll put links to all the information, all the research, and all the funding that FSR is doing that I just mentioned in the show notes. And uh, please don't forget to go back and listen to the bonus episodes about SARC and COVID. And I also did another bonus episode where all we talked about was prednisone. We had doctors on, we had patients on, we had researchers on, and all we talked about was prednisone and how awful it is, uh, but how much we need it. Um, and how we kind of have to do a little dance with the devil there. But go back and find that special episode, a link in the show notes as well. If you're new here, just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, go to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. It's one of the most listened to episodes. I think people Google around, they are looking for information about sarcoidosis. They say, ah, oh, here's a podcast. They listen, and but they may, may be jumping right in and they over their heads and they don't know what's going on. Go back and start with episode two and then ping around and find what, uh, what interests you. And if you want to know more about my story, it's episode one. The backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. They started this whole thing and Andrea is a Sark fighter. Please send me an email. It's in the show notes. Let me know uh, how sarcoidosis is affecting your life or what you think of the podcast. Follow The Sark Fighter on Instagram and Facebook. And just remember that I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and, and grow the show if you would share it on your social media. And if you like it, please just tell one person. Thanks again to Amy Whaley for joining me here today. Thank you for all you do as a caregiver. It is so much appreciated. All you caregivers are appreciated. And until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer your feel pain someday. Learn endurance. Your strength will fade away. Dead man walking, trying to keep up the pain.